Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Oh, good. It sounds like you're having a bit of a hectic day. I am. My um, son had his wisdom teeth removed this morning. And so um, between work, I've been (laughs) feeding him medicine and ice bags and trying to get food into his stomach and all that good stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. But he seems to be doing okay, does he? Or? I think so. I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> he's, he's, um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, uh, vividly remember getting my wisdom teeth out. Um, particularly, th- so I slept the entire day, like just sleep of the dead. And then that evening I was on the phone with a friend and you know, we, we had call waiting, you know, big deal yes, back yes, then back in the day. <laughs> and uh, the phone clicked and I was like, hello. And the person was like, oh, yes, I'm I'm hoping to speak to Margaret Bowen, you know, my mom. And I'm like, uh, I'm on the other line. Can I take a message? He's like, oh, well, this is Dr. So-and-so. And I just want to check on Sarah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to my friend. <laughs> and he's like, okay, guess you're doing okay. So bye-bye. That's great. That's yeah. great. So. Well, what I don't get... So my son, he, you know, they, they give you narcotics, which mm-hmm. I'm paranoid about. So I gave him his one dose this morning. He hasn't slept yet. Wait, come no. on. <laughs> what is going on? It's been like eight hours now and he has not slept. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. So, mm. yeah. So, well, thank you for taking time out to talk with us. My so, pleasure. yeah. So, okay. So when you're not tending to your, uh, senior son, um, what, what articles are you working on these days? Well, actually, I have one that is perfect for the Mother Runner crowd. Um, Mm. I'm just, one of the things I was doing today was working on some edits with the Washington Post for an article I'm doing on postpartum fitness. Oh, uh perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because it's it's apparently, um, there's there's quite a void of guidance out there when it comes to it. You know, you, you, as far as women go, you you go back to your six-week checkup, and then that's your last real touch point, and Mm -hmm. you're just kind of released to do you know, whatever you feel up to do. But for many women, you know, as, as our whole audience knows, you know, there are a host of, of issues that come along with, with postpartum health and, um, getting back into shape isn't a straight and easy process. So yeah. 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 So, and you interviewed some good experts, I take it. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of trying to nail down, um, a few guidelines and, and just advice for women on where to turn for help and that kind of thing. Oh, good. Well, uh, when the article comes out, can you share a link with us and yes. uh, particularly Maggie and then uh, Maggie can share it. So for sure. Good, yeah. good. good. Yeah. All right. Well, in circling back to your son, um, tell us why you left the retreat early. Um, it was planned. So it wasn't, it wasn't an emergency. Right. It was a good reason. <laughs> right. Well, so yeah, I, I, w- I wish I could have stayed around because I, I would have liked to have uh, been able to cheer everyone on the next day in the rain and do, um, ca- and do karaoke. And do karaoke, of course. That's the biggest reason I I regret leaving. But um, it was his final homecoming. So um, I'm trying to be there all year for all the milestone lasts. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was was able to get back in plenty of time and get down and and be there for all the photos and and the fun. And um, yeah, so it it was it was a good day. Yeah, Yeah, darling photo you, you sent me of him. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 So is that a girlfriend or is that, was that his date? It is. No, it's, um, they've been dating for about a year and a half. And wow. um, my, my standard line is that <laughs> I like her so much and, and I think she, he can only go down from here. So 
<laughs> and I tell her that. I told her mom that. It's so funny. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And did they go to the same school? Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. They met in high school and um, have been dating, like I said, for about a year and a half. And, and she's just lovely. And um, uh -huh. so who knows where things will go, you know, after, after high school. But uh, uh -huh. yeah. So. Oh, my goodness. And talk of going to the same college or no? Not really. I think they have Good. one school in common that they've both applied to. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I read her um, essays, actually, I, I read, I read both their essays right before they turned them in just a final copy edit and hers are so, so phenomenal. I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe she won't get in, but she will. <laughs> hey, he has the gender on his side, you know, isn't yeah, it easier exactly. for boys to get into college now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, we had it on our side when we were applying to college because fewer women went to college back then. I know. Uh -oh. I know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh -oh. What's new on your end? Oh, well, tonight is um, we're recording this um, the week before Thanksgiving, and this is... Um, uh, the I'm going to go see the twins play again. And I just realized I was just talking to my mom right before I got on um, this podcast. And um, she had just come from a luncheon to meet new people. And I was telling her she really had to put herself out there. And she said that was good advice. Um, but so uh, I suddenly realized while I was talking to her that this is perhaps the last play that the twins will be in together because they're most likely going to go to different high schools because John's oh. going to go to the one that where he can focus on this very exquisite dance program. And so I almost wow. wish I hadn't thought of that before the play because I'll cry that much harder. Yes. During it. yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's, that's quite a milestone if, if that's how it goes. It is. It is because, you know, the elementary school they went to, they would do a, play they did a play in third fourth and fifth grade where the whole you know all the students from that grade were in it so I've seen quite a number of plays with both of them in it so um so I've learned you know I haven't quite perfected having one eye on one and one eye on the other but you know <laughs> right. I, I, but they're both there at least yes yes <laughs> yeah so um yeah so now just debating whether or not to also go to the matinee performance and um so yeah yeah Anyway, yes. So, well, this podcast, speaking of the retreat, hearkening back to that, this podcast, we were going to record in person, as you know, at the retreat, but technology thwarted us. <laughs> so, uh, and this episode has been a long time coming. I've really wanted to do this topic for a long time, and it, it involves numerous guests. So it really was going to work out perfectly for one of our in-person shows, because it was going to get somebody, a uh, bunch of the retreaters to be our guests. And they are still going to be the same guests, but now they'll be calling in instead of of being sitting there in person. So as you know, Amanda, it's about getting started running in different decades, because I'm just fascinated, you know, you know, as well as I do, that we talk to so many mother runners, and just everyone has their own unique story. And I'm really just intrigued by, you know, the people who got started in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and um, just kind of seeing the different challenges that they face, what motivates women to get started, what keeps them going, kind of if there's different concerns in, in the decades. So we'll be talking with four mother runners after this short break. Stay with us. Our first guest is Julie Baker, who started running in her 20s. She started running wearing Keds sneakers, running around her neighborhood block. She's now run 20 marathons and 19 triathlons. And Julie's still going strong in her 60s, as I know for a fact, because she was at our retreat. Um, and she is... Um, 
in the running group back home in Maryland uh, with Amanda. The um, So here we are. So it's fun to have the two of you on here. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. Hey, Julie. How you doing? Good, Amanda. It's Good. funny. We're on the phone about six miles away from each other. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we should have somehow uh, managed to meet up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I know the answer to this question, but why don't you tell everybody um, how many kids you have and um, how old? Okay. Well, I have one daughter, um, Meredith, who is 29, um, and I have various four-legged children as well, two Springer <laughs> Spaniels um, that hopefully will be quiet, and, mm-hmm. um, a, and a horse uh, who lives oh. a couple miles away. So uh, that's, oh. that's the family. And you and a, and, this and is, a spouse. Okay. As well. And and this is and this is a horse that you ride or someone else yes. in your family yeah, rides? Yeah, no, this is a horse that I ride. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh it's a constant negotiation process with him, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> with the horse I, or the husband? Uh. No, with the horse. With the horse. He's very smart and he sort of looks at me when I arrive to to ride and says, you know, today doesn't look so good for you. And I'm not sure tomorrow is going to be much better, but we'll go from there. You know? Oh, my gosh. Well, at least with, with, at least with running, you're just negotiating with your own legs, not, not some creature's legs. So, exactly. so, but um, take us back four decades to tell us how and why you got started running. And was it during the massive, quote, jogging boom of the 1970s? No. Well, it was during that, but actually I think it was sort of on the cusp of that. So my next door neighbor and I, uh, my next door neighbor was getting married. And Mm. so this is like 1977. I think I had, I graduated from college just in uh, the year before. And so in that summer, um, she was getting married and she was all, uh, you know, focused on looking her best. And so, mm-hmm. so we would get, we would meet up at, I don't know, eight thirty nine o'clock, uh, at night and we'd try and make it around our block. Now around our block means like a third of a mile, but uh-huh. here we are, you know, so, so our big JC Penny sneakers and, <laughs> and, and so slowly but surely, we sort of worked our way to two times around the block. And um, and growing up, I was I always had a weight problem. So this was this was something that you know sort of intrigued me and um, sort of got into it. And it was pretty sporadic um, after that. So I'm trying. What really caught my attention was um, the Jim Fix book, which really mm-hmm. was the running boom. Sure. Um, and so one weekend, I have this vivid memory of being in New York City with a friend of mine who lived there, and it was the weekend of the New York City Marathon. And, oh. and it was one of the first years that they got out of Central Park and into the streets of New York. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this was be- beginning to be a, a big deal, and I kept looking at this going by and thought – huh, you know, it took me back to running around the block. And I got a little more serious. I had I had moved to uh, Washington, D.C. at that point. And so, you know, Adidas sneakers were out there. And so I bought the book and n- never really looked back. Um, uh-huh. So I just slowly but surely um, increased frequency, increased distance. You know, I had to, I had to um, navigate through... Uh, starting a job and moving to various places, but I was working um, downtown DC. So 
lunchtime, I could go out on the oh. on the mall, and mm-hmm. we had a shower in our you know in our building, so we had a pretty good setup. And um, go once around you know once around the mall and come back, and that was like three miles. And um, so that was pretty much you know that was pretty much it, pretty low key um, for several several years. Um, mm-hmm. It, races weren't something that I was really focused on, although I remember doing a, my first 10K with a friend of mine, and we, we uh, it was along a bike path, and so we we uh, lined up with this crowd, and I had never done anything like this before. I'm not sure I had ever run more, you know, up to six miles. So uh-huh. they blew the whistle, and everybody everybody took off, and I looked at my friend, and I said, what are we doing here? <laughs> and we were in the we were in the way back. She said, "Well, let's just pretend we're shopping, and we'll look in the windows." <laughs> and so off we went, and we did it. And that was the first that was the first re- race re- experience, at least that I can remember. Um, That's great. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 built from there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think people, you, well, you mentioned the Jim Fix book, but but beyond that, I mean, people today, we're also used to having information at our fingertips, um, you know, online, um, you know, we get feedback from watches and whatnot to, to help with training. So how did you kind of um, guide your training um, as you built up your mileage and, and moved along in, in racing? Well, it was all on that Timex watch, you know, the, mm-hmm. the good old Ironman Timex watch. And um, as I got more serious about it, um, I, you know, I fell in with various groups that Amanda is very familiar with, different people. Um, and we did it by time. You know, we did marathon training um, by time. So we would sort of take an average of maybe nine-minute miles and, and, you know, multiply times 12 uh, to get what our expected time was. And that's how we'd – that would guide what our timing, you know, what our, what our running was. We didn't really know what we were doing. Every once in a while, we'd go and get in a car and use the odometer. But um, mm-hmm. I was I was training pretty blind for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't, uh, you know, it, I did a couple of marathons before I really did anything serious um, about training wise, and it was just I I was lucky that I didn't overtrain um mm-hmm. and but i didn't really know what overtraining was because i didn't really have that much of a plan um mm-hmm. and so it was it was really f- read magazines and and go by feel and talk to other people and see what worked so then um how old were you when you had your your daughter i was 30 almost uh, let's see it was 1989 so i was 35 okay so so well, so well after you started running. So you had fewer, like I mean, your you your concerns were, uh, as in your twenties, were the work and social. I'm imagining. So I mean, right. how how did you, as a twenty, you know, when you were in your twenties, how did you juggle and it? And did you continue to run it in the evening? I was intrigued that you and your friend who was getting married and wanting to look good for her wedding, yeah. that you chose to run in the evening. Yeah. Well, so in Washington, D.C. in the summertime, you know, you either go really early in the morning or you go later in the evening. And so mm-hmm. um, so I, during those times, I would run, you know, run in the evening after I got home from work. Um, 
later I got into running in the morning and that uh-huh. really fit my biorhythms um, much better than running in the evening. But once it cooled down a little, um, then I could get out at lunchtime. And that was a mm-hmm. great, that was a great break. Um, uh-huh. The challenge was always navigating through what lunchtime was defined as versus the time that I wanted to be out there running. So mm-hmm. there were many, many times that I sort of slid into a meeting looking very, <laughs> something like the dog dragged in, uh, but not really caring <laughs> because I was in a good mood. I'd just gotten out there and gotten some fresh air and gotten the run in. Um, but there were times when I just, you know, when I couldn't do that. Um, and, and so it was, it was just catch it, catch it as you can. Uh, uh-huh. And, and by, and those weren't the, those weren't days when I was really training hard for different things. So it was into my, you know, sort of into my forties when I was really heavy into the marathon training, um, Mm. and, and demanding, you know, trying to fit more into the time. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, in, in twenties and early thirties, it was just, just doing it because I really enjoyed it and exploring what it all meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what kicked you into training for, for, what was the switch that flipped to get you into marathon training? Well, I had a friend, uh, a running partner that I worked with who wanted to do the Marine Corps marathon. So mm-hmm. I did some training with him and I'm trying to remember what the year, it probably was around 1990. Um, and so I ran the last 10 miles with him the Mm. days when you could jump in at 10 miles Mm -hmm. and, you know, not get pulled off by security. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so I, I saw it up front and, um, and didn't go obviously across the finish line, but went pretty much all the way around till he finished. And that, that just said, you know, I wanted to, then I wanted to do one before I was 40. So Mm. I did Marine Corps um, before in 1993 so that was before my 39th birthday. And then then I just fell in love with the training. And I always say I don't have a fast twitch muscle in my body, but I'm all slow twitch and I can go forever. So mm-hmm. these long runs, you know, and long distances, they were hard, but they fit my personality a lot better and my physical, you know, endurance a lot better than going fast. I didn't really want to go fast because to me that was too much work. Um, so, so the marathons just, you know, took off and, and I found I was pretty good at them. Um, I qualified for Boston. I ran Boston a couple of times and, um, just, you know, used these races as destinations, um, for different experiences. So, uh, that was the, that was the incentive that I could get my family to go along with me. <laughs> well, I'm just quite... going to say, if you, if you qualified for Boston, you have some fast twitch muscles in your body. Yeah. There, so. Well, <laughs> that, it was also Sarah. It was also a while ago. You know, it's been a while since I could have thought about qualifying for Boston. But um, uh-huh. I was really lucky. I was really, I was really lucky. Definitely the high point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's since you've been at it for some time now, let's talk a little bit about. Um, you know, how equipment has changed over the years, you know, footwear, um, clothing, you know, even, you know, the, like we talked about the watches, you know, back then it was just the, the Timex Ironman um, and compared to what we have now. And, and how have you kind of evolved with that as well? Well, um, so the first, you know, the first thing is shoes. So I thank God the shoes have 
evolved because I always <laughs> think that they are the they're they're my defense between my bones and the and the road. And so um, one thing I've I've just never compromised on are really good shoes, and I don't wear them down. I mean, 300 miles and and then I'm switching. Um, but they've just gotten lighter and they've gotten more flexible and they've gotten a lot more variety, which I don't know that that's, you know, you can almost get overwhelmed. Um, so that's been, that's been a good thing. And same thing with the clothes. You know, the, the interesting thing about watching all of the tech clothes come in is that my clothes don't, uh, don't wear out. So, you know, I've got a whole variety of, of running clothes that are just as good um, from, you know, 10 years ago than right than the new ones now. It's just, and they just don't have the wear and tear on them. Um, mm -hmm. So they've held, you know, they've held up and I've got my favorites, you know, favorites that you don't want to get rid of. Um, the biggest thing with GPS, though, is is just been the precision and the feedback. And I'm not mm -hmm. a big data. I'm not a big data hound. In fact, in fact, one time I had the experience that I was training for one of the marathon. Uh, oh, I was training for Big Sur marathon, and and I had done. I had finished the BNA uh, half marathon and needed to get a couple more miles in. So I am obsessed about getting these miles in, and I was watching my watch as it was turning to those 50, to number fifteen. Had to have. 15.000. And oh, what do sure. I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I tripped over a sidewalk because I wasn't looking where I was going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. broke three bones in my hand. No. And so <laughs> at that point, I thought, okay, you know what? You need to just get a handle on this before you kill yourself uh, because you run into a car or something. Um, uh -huh. So I, I track all my miles, if nothing else, as a training log. So I use them and I've used the comment section and I put in when I got new shoes and I use it for feedback, not for looking at much else. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I recently upgraded to um, uh, one of the garments that's got a heart rate on it. And so I'm watching that because that's sort of interesting to me, uh, seeing where my heart rate is uh, versus, you know, what, where the hills might be and, um, it, I'm not changing anything as a result, but I'm just sort of interested in, in what the performance, what it looks like. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, all right. So, so three broken bones in your hand, um, <laughs> but, but, um, four decades of running kind of, um, how have you been able to keep healthy enough to, to be doing, you know, the Cape Cod half marathon in your sixties? Yeah. Um, so 50, my fifties didn't look so pretty. Uh, I got to oh. say, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, so I got through 10 years of running marathons and uh, ran, ran 20 of them. Um, and sometimes I did four a year, which I think, wow. you know, some people would say, well, you know, there are people who do one a month, but four a year. So two in the spring, two in the fall. Um, wow. And I got into my 50s and and honestly, I think it caught up. So various injuries that I'd be off for six weeks or six, you know, two months or things that never uh, that just started showing up. And I think it was also because I um, the, the strength, you know, the emphasis on strength training hadn't hit yet. And mm. so so our my my approach and people around me, our our approach to training was run more. And without really addressing some of the things that we were doing that might be causing 
you know, low-grade injuries. And so so the 50s was um, sort of up and down and um, just trying to get my act together. Um, I did I did have an issue with osteoporosis uh, that I discovered when I broke a couple of other bones from mm. from not picking up my feet and tripping, even though I wasn't looking at my watch. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had to address that too. So um, so I went into my 60s um, a lot smarter and um, not running nearly as many miles. Although I will say, my my resolution in 2018 was to get myself a lot stronger, and so um, I took strength training, started taking it seriously, and oh my gosh, what a difference it's made! You know, it's like oh awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have been a lot more aware of it. For some reason, I thought, well, it was for everybody else but me. Um, right, right. But, uh, but you know, it, it's funny. My daughter got into running. She got in. She did the um, heart rate training plan last year. She got uh, in with Ellie, so she is, you know, a mother to to an equine as well. Um, uh-huh. But watching her and watching her get strong was as much of an incentive um, and it's paid off a lot. I mean, you know, Cape Cod wasn't my stellar moment, but the training for Cape Cod was really awesome. And so, yeah, yeah. So I think that, I think that I've gotten, you know, I've gotten a lot smarter and uh, hopefully got another 10 years in front, you know, and then I'll Mm -hmm. figure out what Mm -hmm. I'm going to do in my seventies. Yep. Get that horse to to accommodate yeah. you a little better. <laughs> yeah, well, the horse the horse is also older, so he and I I keep I keep telling him I really do empathize with how stiff you feel when you first get going, but but you need to get going. <laughs> just, just give me give me forty five minutes of your day, and we'll be good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. So so that's well, sort of that's the that's the the, the journey. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. What, what, um, if, if you could sum it up, just a little bit of parting advice for um, women maybe in their 20s who are um, just, you know, realizing who they are and, and, and where they're going in life, basically. Oh, I think it's a great it, it journey is what it's all about, you know, exploring and um, getting getting out there, but not becoming too obsessed. You know, I think that it's taken me a long time to give myself permission to take a day off, to mm-hmm. to breathe, in, to enjoy it, to appreciate uh, the ability that we have to run um, without being so focused on the goal uh, mm-hmm. and and hitting hitting the metrics and hitting the time, um, it all will come. Um, but what what experience you know, and I guess what age gives you is just the ability to look back and and um, appreciate what you can do and uh, to take every day and and, and celebrate it um, because mm-hmm. it's it's pretty awesome what we go out and do, even if it's just a mile. And it mm-hmm. might not, might not, might feel like a compromise at the time. Um, this morning, I have, I have a rule where I'm not allowed to make a, a decision on whether I'm going to keep running or not until I've gotten through a mile. And mm-hmm. once I once I get through a mile, then I can decide whether I'm going to keep going or whether I really don't feel like it. And this morning, the answer was, you know what, I really don't feel like it, and that was okay. And mm. that would not have been okay maybe even five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, you just that's... have to, and, and then I, then you have to own it, you know, then, then you say, okay, it's, I've made the choice. 
it's my choice and I'm not going to beat myself up for the rest of the day. Amen. Amen. That's great advice, Julie. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story, Julie. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. It was great. And I'm right. and, and by the way, Sarah, I'm sitting here in my another mother runner vest, which has not come off oh. since I got it. I'm I'm wearing mine too. <laughs> it's very cozy, very good. comfy. Good, good, yeah. good, good. All right, you all have a good rest of your day. All right, thanks, See you, Julie. Bye, Julie. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, our next guest started running in her 30s. This is Erin Wright, and she was influenced by a coworker who was also at the retreat, Alana. Rhymes with banana. Um, And Erin started running as a way to get in shape and get some alone time. And Erin lives in Prior Lake, Minnesota. And uh, also got the pleasure of hanging out with Erin and Alana at the Twin Cities Marathon. So welcome, Erin. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Good, good. Okay, so you, you started running in your 30s. And might I ask what age you are now? Yes, I'm 43 now. So I started uh, about back in 2010. So it's been uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was mid thirties when I started. Okay. okay. And how many kids do you have and how old are they? Yeah, I've got two kids, uh, both one is nine and one is 11. Both are girls. Mm-hmm. And I started running after my uh, youngest was born because of course, after babies and all of that, that it does to your body. Um, I really needed something to try to get back into shape. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, would you say it took you much convincing to get you to start running or was there, you know, was there kind of one thing that tipped you into the, yeah, let's do this category? Yeah, a lot of convincing, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I was the person that said, I will not run unless someone is chasing me. Um, I I have absolutely wanted nothing to do with it. So um, I, we had a a lot of coworkers that were signed up for Twin Cities Marathon. I think it would have been probably 2011 or 2010. And they were sane people and, and they were nice people. And I was trying to figure out why they were doing <laughs> They were sane people. I think yeah. we need to repeat that line. I like it yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> or at least I thought they were sane. They, you know. But um, but yeah, so they, they started talking about this and they were really enjoying all this time on the road. And I I just kind of didn't understand it. And so um, Alana and, and, and actually another one had started talking about ways to get started running and uh, I really used a method of run walk to start. And I, mm-hmm. I can't remember what got me out the door that very first time, probably just, it was a beautiful day, I'm guessing, uh-huh. and deciding I, I needed to go enjoy it. And I didn't really want anyone to follow me from my home. So uh-huh. <laughs> it was a way to uh, get out there and have a long time. Well, you did say that on Facebook, when I was uh, recruiting people to be on this podcast, you said one strong motivator for you was that no one wanted to follow me. So uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about that, how the you know, the having young kids in particular, why that drive gets you out the door. Yeah, it was, it's actually, that's an interesting thing for me because I'm a pretty social person. And so mm-hmm. um, I don't have a lot of alone time and, and nor do I crave or did I crave it that much at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but having young kids and, and just needing a way to get some fresh air and to be able to think and breathe and not have um, someone kind of always asking, you know, I've got to go to the bathroom. I've got to do this. I need a snack. <laughs> All of that was, was left behind for 30 minutes. And it just it was something I grew to appreciate so, so much along the way. Mm-hmm. Very relatable. Um, so how did you, how did you find guidance for your running? How did you, you know, kind of learn how to run or, or progress with your running? Yeah. So, you know, I, w- I would ask friends, but um, they were just all so much more advanced than me. 
And so um, I was actually really lucky with the timing of starting running. So I had a few other girlfriends that I went to high school with and um, they had just kind of picked up running as well. And so we all decided, well, let's do a 5k. And that was just kind of the huge distance for me. I couldn't even imagine it. And um, we all planned the race and um, trained doing, I did run walk and we got there and, and we just made it fun. And so that was people that, you know, I could talk to and, and ask questions to and and we just were able to get together and, and then I got my social aspect of it to be able to meet up and and be somewhere because quite frankly I, I really couldn't run with anybody else at the time I, I couldn't even stand not having headphones on because the sound of my heavy breathing was just enough <laughs> to make me want to go oh my gosh am I gonna die um, but after that I, I was able to join a women's uh, beginning running club uh-huh. through community ed and uh, there I was able to meet some really amazing runners uh, one was even uh, you know did Olympic trials and uh-huh. I was blown away when she told me she runs 90 to 100 miles a week I just <laughs> couldn't even <laughs> comprehend that but she taught me how to breathe and mm. that was possibly the most critical thing that I've learned throughout all of this was really getting rid of your breath and, and not feeling like you need to gasp for air um, mm-hmm. and, and that helped me be able to go so much further mm, intriguing um, nice, nice. So, so you talked a, about the social aspect and, and how that comes into it. And so, you know, Alana and you seem to me to be such great pals. And so do you run together now? And how did that friendship evolve? I know s- so many women um, are always looking for best running friends. So how did you land with your excellent um, best running friend? And yeah, she, she with you. the best. Um, so yeah, we just, because we worked together, we would, um, we would start running uh, just a few miles at a time. And we were, you know, really partners in what we did for our jobs at the time. And so uh, we would almost take meetings on the run and uh-huh. our paces were pretty similar and, and even were able to take uh, other coworkers out and we would do running meetings instead of lunch meetings. Uh-huh. And so it was, you know, just got us going more, but then as I started training for longer distances, you know, I realized that the long run is where it's at. And yes, we do still run together. We train for Cape Cod um, mm-hmm. every weekend and beautiful Mendota Trail um, where we just, we literally just talk for hours and we don't care how fast we're going. And we just, you know, we know we're out there to, um, to get it done, but we get to catch up along the way. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's just a great time to, to talk and, and catch up on everything. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, so we know you do some racing. Um, how did you end up going down that path? And, and how did you kind of approach um, the, the starting? How did you approach racing from, from the beginning? And kind of how's that evolved? Yeah, I think racing for me is is really more to keep my training in check and to keep active. Um, I like to have a goal, but I don't like to have a lot of races on my calendar because it gets overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually pick a spring race and a fall race and um, use that really to just kind of back up and, and train for that. Um, so I think that that's it more than anything for me. At first it was, I, I need to have these goals out there. And, and now it's just a way to keep going mm-hmm. nice. and celebrate that, that great training. Yeah. 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 So, and then kind of how, so we know you did that 5k with your, with your colleagues and that seems so daunting to, to cover that distance. How then, what was your progression kind of going up in distances? Yeah, it was so funny thinking back through my running career, I kind of wrote down uh, some of the, the key milestone races that I did. And, and every single time I increased the distance, it was just 
it was the best feeling in the world. Mm. And so, so I did, you know, probably I would think a fairly typical progression of a 5k, you know, then a, then a 10k, then, oh my gosh, 10 mile. I, mm. I will never forget signing up for the lottery of the 10 mile going, oh my gosh, I kind of just really hope I don't get in. Because <laughs> it, really um, it was just, I couldn't even imagine. And then, you know, then I did a half. Um, and I thought that was going to be it for me. You know, I, I had a couple of good halves and I had a one that was not so fun. Um, but that happened to be, you know, um, growing on right before um, the Boston uh, Marathon bombing happened. Mm. And uh, Alana and I talk about this all the time, but we, uh, we should never forget the, the bombing happened. And literally the next day at work, she comes into my office and says, well, you know, you know what has to happen. And I said, I know I, I have to run a marathon. And wow. it was just one of those things that it was just instant decision. I had to do it and um, did Twin Cities the next year. And it was the best, wow. best process. Well, why do, why do you, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I, I um, know that you two are not alone in feeling that impetus from the, from that terrible tragedy that happened in Boston. What do you think it was that, that prompted you to say, that's it. I've got to do 26.2. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to let fear set in. I was not going to let that stop people from running and from, towing the line, um, to mm -hmm. get there. It, it just, I was, it was more insistent on this. This is not going to be the way this works. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Very and were, were you one and done or have you done other marathons since then? Yep. I've done one other marathon. I, I still think, uh, the 10 mile and, and half are my favorite distances so mm -hmm. far, but, uh, I did twin cities last year as well. Mm -hmm. A couple of Ragnars thrown in there for good measure. Yes. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what advice would you have for other women who are getting started in their 30s, um, in particular those who have young children? Yeah, don't be afraid to get out the door. Don't mm. be afraid to to leave the kids at home, of course, supervised. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but you do. You need to take time for yourself um, because, because it, there will always be needs at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, great talking with you, Erin. And um, thanks so much for sharing with us. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Have Take a care. Weekend. Bye. Bye. All right. Next up is Erica Richards, who started running in her 40s, uh, started distance running in her 40s as a way to relieve stress after her daughter was diagnosed with a rare kidney disease. After running her first marathon at 45, um, then that coincided with chemo treatment for her daughter. Erica has now run more than 30 half marathons. And did you just run your seventh marathon or it's coming up? Uh, well, I sort of tried to run my seventh marathon oh. and um, it was a DNF, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry, Sunshine. Well, um, well, welcome. Welcome to the show, Erica. And um, I guess I guess now we got it. Well, I'll let Amanda ask the first question. Then we'll go into the seventh marathon that wasn't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you started running in your early 40s. How old are you now? I am about to turn 54 next week. Okay. Oh, happy early All birthday. Right. Yeah. Um, I you. suspect you'll have turkey maybe around your birthday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yippee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, one other question before we get to that, that marathon, the, so, um, tell us the number of your kids and their ages and, uh, update us on your daughter's health these days. Sure. I have a son who is about to turn 19 and he's a freshman in college. So one out mm -hmm. of the nest mm -hmm. and my daughter is, she just turned 17 and she's a junior in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and her health is um, 
Pretty good. After her chemotherapy in 2010, she was in remission for almost seven years. Mm. And then a year ago, she relapsed again. Um, and we got her back into remission. So she's been in remission now for another year. So it's oh, a, it's a, kid, it's a kidney disease that there is no cause or cure for. So, mm. um, but they believe she will outgrow it. So it's just kind mm. of a rocky road to outgrow it. Wow. So. Yeah. wow. 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 All right. So now tell us about the, um, the seventh marathon, not lucky number seven, it sounds like. It was unlucky number seven. Um, so I trained, I was trying to qualify for Boston um, mm-hmm. in the 55 to 59, which was a 410. So I was training mm-hmm. for a 405. Mm-hmm. And this summer, heat and humidity was absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a rough training cycle. So I kind of um, went into the race thinking, yeah, let's see what happens. And about mile five of the race, I was, I kind of, I started conservatively and I, I was thinking maybe more like a 415. So I started with the 415 pacers and about my, mile five, my upper calf outside of my calf started to tighten like a knot. And mm. it got to the point by mile six, I couldn't, I couldn't walk without pain. <sighs> and so I, I hobbled for another mile until I found a group of policemen and I called for medical and I got driven back to the hotel, so um, it was oh. it was rough. It was rough, but uh, the good part was that I was with a bunch of my running friends, and they scooped me up and cheered me up. And you know, I will run another day. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this was was this Richmond or no? Yeah, it was Richmond. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. And were you with a bunch yeah. of the retreaters from Little Rock? Is that who you were with? I was. I was. Yeah. Yep. My the Little Rock Street friends. Um, and it was great having them there. And uh, yeah. we've been, since Little Rock, we've been, we meet pretty much annually to do a race together. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's, that's always fun. So it, you know, even though my race didn't go well, it was a good mm-hmm. weekend away. Yeah, yeah. And you had the, that now, now it all makes sense why you um, are loving those Lily Trotters compression socks so much. Oh. <laughs> I love them. I ordered some. I just gave, I, know. I just gave a pair to my best running friend yesterday, who I haven't seen in a while, and she loves them. And they had polka dots on them. She loves polka dots. So. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yes, perfect. I do, yeah. love the, I do love those socks. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so where did the idea come to you to start running? You know, dialing back to. Um, when you first started, you know, like you were under a lot of stress. I mean, why not take up like knitting or gardening as a way to relieve stress? <laughs> <laughs> so part of it was just sheer dumb luck. I had a couple of friends who decided that they were going to run a half marathon. And I think I had been running a little bit just to try to get back into shape after having my kids. Of course, they were at the time they were five and seven. But mm-hmm. um, I, I thought, oh, I need to start taking care of myself. And they said, you want to run a half marathon? I'm like, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> and and the the other part was just for um, health reasons. I have some, you know, I have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes in my family. And I just want to try and outrun those illnesses that, mm-hmm. that are hereditary. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. twofold. And then it just so happened that, um, when my daughter was diagnosed, I needed a, an outlet for the stress of dealing with her illness. And um, so it just helped, you know, I, I would run, I would chat with my friends, I would um, take care of myself. It just kind of was everything I needed all ro- rolled into one sport. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I can't knit. I can't knit. I've tried. <laughs> and 
it's just just not my thing. Um, and um, I was never an athlete as a child. My father was a professor, and so academics were always stressed in our household. And we were active. We hiked. We sailed. We did other things, but never sports. So uh-huh. it was also something I wanted to try. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot of racing, um, and so um, I, I'm taking it you kind of um, progressed pretty quickly with that. Tell us a little bit about you know your racing history. Um, yeah, I did progress. I think one of the beauties of starting later in life is that you have no expectations of where you're going to start and then where where the end will be in terms of mm-hmm. PRs. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started, I just ran my race to finish, and I was raising money for the NEFQ. Which is the kidney or uh, the charity that my that supports my daughter's illness? Um, so it was just to finish, and I did. And then the next one, I think I it was a half marathon. I think I shaved 15 minutes off, and the next mm-hmm. one I shaved another, you know, 10 minutes off. And I just kept PRing because I, you know, I, I didn't know how to train. And once I learned how to train and learned how to, you know, do speed work and so forth, I just kept improving. So it's kind of in some ways, it, it's good. In other ways, it's bad. You expect to PR every time you go out. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> of course, then you get to the point where you're, that doesn't happen or it doesn't happen easily. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I know that you mentioned that you were um, hoping to qualify for Boston at Richmond. I, and I know you've been trying to um, qualify for Boston for a while. Is that still a strong motivator working for you? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I remember when I ran my first sub two hour half, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I don't have to do that ever again. Uh, you know, cause you know, I, now that I've done it, I, I know I can do it. And uh-huh. I, I sort of feel like I, um, you know, nobody cares what your pace is or how fast or slow you run except you. And, um, but with Boston, I just, I really want to run the Boston marathon one day. Cause I, I grew up outside of Boston and, it's the race to run. And so it, it kind of is still a goal. Um, I think I'm going to have to wait. I, I kind of waited until this next age group cause I was going to get an extra 10 minutes and then they cut it back another five last yep. month. Yep. Um, when I turn, when I turn 60, um, I get 15 minutes if that still holds a 420. So, um, it, it may be, um, I may try again for the four, a sub four Oh five. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely learned a lot this training cycle. There's more I need to do aside from going out and running. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it's still a goal. It's just not one that I can think of at the moment since I'm injured. So mm-hmm. I'll, yeah. I'll revisit it. I'll definitely revisit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I know that um, in addition to your, your daughter's health issues, your, your husband's had some health issues as well. So um, talk about how running has helped you cope with with. Um, both of their health situations. Yes, uh, about four years ago. So when he was 39, they said he had a heart murmur, and it was probably he has a bicuspid. He had a bicuspid aortic valve, and at 48, he went for just a routine physical, and they said, "Hmm, um, you need to go see a cardiologist." And mm-hmm. so he went again. And they said that he needed a valve replacement, and it kind of took us completely by surprise because I guess we didn't really research it that when they said he had a bicuspid valve that it meant he was going to need surgery at some point. Hmm. And so we were in complete shock. So the funny part was I got him into running. He runs shorter distances. And we came home from the cardiology appointment 
And I said, let's go for a run. And mm. we were, so, I mean, of course, that was after crying in the parking lot. But we came home and, I, and he had run the day before his appointment to see the cardiologist. I said, we need to go again because you need to know that you can still go out and run. Mm. Um, obviously, we ran a little bit slower, but mm-hmm. um, it, it, it made him, you know, I think more comfortable in the fact that he wasn't just all of a sudden going to drop dead from what mm-hmm. the doctor had just told us. So that part was important. And then he used running to get back into shape after his surgery. Um, He started out walking. We walked together. And then after surgery, um, he ran. um, And he still runs to this day. Um, So I think four months post-surgery, I paced him in our local turkey trot. And uh, it was one of the best races I've ever run. And, of course, we were both crying at the end. But um, just Mm. to get him back out there and know that he could do it with his now new mechanical heart valve so very nice yeah it was a big part of it it was a big part of it the other thing that helped me through that was that when he was in boston um you know in icu and having surgery um if anyone knows boston traffic it's really hard to get in there in the morning (laughs) so i i would get up early and go for my run before i went to go sit by you know sit with him in the hospital um you know, and they do a lot to get them up in, in the morning in the hospital. So it's not like when I went there, if I had got there at the crack of dawn, he could sit and chat with me. He had, he had to get out of bed. He had to be fed, you know. So all those things meant that I could get my run in and then go in and, and not feel guilty about it either. Take care sure. of myself so I could go take care of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Excellent. Excellent. So when thinking about this this podcast episode, I I kept wondering if there are kind of generational motivators to starting running as if like someone who started running in her thirties due to life stress is quote unquote caused by someone else, you know, and that I can't help but wonder if people start running younger age, do it more for themselves, whereas maybe later in lifers are doing it for external influences. I don't know. What do you think about that theory or do you have any theories of your own or am I just full of hogwash? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I did run a little bit when I did a couple of five Ks with my sister when I was a little bit younger before I call it BC before children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of fell by the wayside then. I, and I, and I may have been doing it, uh, for different reasons back then. I, I, I think I was, I was doing it more, more for health reasons when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. so more for me. And I think mm-hmm. I started running, um, when I was older, not just for the health, but the I, more for mental health, I guess, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to physical, as opposed to physical health. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you mean, but, um, and, yeah. and I think when you get older, you realize that, um, or at least I did, I realized that in order to take care of my family and the people that I love around me, I needed to take care of me first. Like mm-hmm. you think, you think it's selfish when you're younger mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think as you get older, you realize, no, I really need to take care of me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's good. Well, so for women who want to get started in their forties, what kind of advice would you offer? If they want to get started in their forties, I think they have to um, really listen to their bodies. They have to know their limitations. I have some, um, autoimmune illnesses that make it, um, you know, I just have to, uh, take more time to recover from things. I can't, I don't tend to run back to back days because of some of those issues. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to, 
you kind of have to really listen to your body and stop mm-hmm. when you need to stop and go to PT if you need to go to PT. I think we tend to, you know, I think women in general tend to say, oh, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. So a yeah. little bit, a little bit more self, self-aware, mm-hmm. self-awareness mm-hmm. of your, of your limitations. But mm-hmm. I don't think you really have any limitations, but just know when your body says, okay, I'm done right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Erica. And uh, we wish you speedy healing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm hoping to get back out there, but yeah. I'll take the time off now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck. All right. Yeah. Take it easy. All right. Thank you. Our final guest, I bet you can guess, started running in her 50s. Uh, Donna Lehman started to have, she wanted a go-to exercise, also a way to battle stress from her job, her mother-in-law's Alzheimer's, and her husband losing his job. Donna's coming to us from Wolfboro, New Hampshire. Welcome, Donna. Hi. Hi, you all. Hey, Donna. <laughs> okay, so you started running at 52. How many years does that mean you've been running? This is my, um, I'll be 58 next month, so just about six years. Okay, okay. All right, and tell us about the number of kids you have and how old they are. Sure. I have one son, and his name is Philip. Um, he's 29, so he's old and independent, and yet um, we still worry <laughs> about him, and we still you know, are there for him, and he's not close by. He's about two hours away in Boston, so uh-huh. close enough to see, and far enough to let him be on his own. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. 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 One day, one day that'll happen to us. Right. Uh, well, and the years, the years fly, but the days are long. So all uh, you moms out there, just remember the years uh, will fly. This, the days go long. You know, it's so true. true. And no matter how many times younger moms hear that, and I just really don't want them to brush that off because it is so dang true. Yes. And I, I yes. just remember one of my neighbors telling me that and when I was just in the thick of it with the twins and I thought, baloney, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I can't wait for this to be over. And, and you know, oh, and it was mm-hmm. pre iPhones and just like, oh, so I don't know. But now I'm like, oh, can't we just p- hold them in a bottle? Like, can't we just save it right now? I know. <laughs> well, my husband was widowed when Philip was one and we didn't get married oh. till Philip was nine. And so like wow. I became an instant mother runner, instant mother of the, the runner part came later, but the instant uh-huh. part. And so like nine year old energy and all of that good stuff. So wow. I feel very sad. I miss those early childhood days. But then when uh-huh. I see people like about kids throwing up in the night, I think, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sleep deprivation is highly overrated. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, um, I did early childhood special ed for 16 years. So I have had my share of diapers and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate yeah, a 29 year old and it really does give me time also. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, all right. So faced with so many stressors, when you surveyed your personal landscape, what made you turn to running? Well, I had lost some weight in a not so healthy way in 2012. I mean, it was mm. a, a diet plan, but it was very low carb. And mm. I just wanted a go-to exercise. And mm-hmm. um, Allison Taylor would uh-huh. post, she and I went to high school and elementary school together. We've known right. each other. I mean, we have pictures of me at her second grade birthday party. So hi, Allison, you're here. You're out there <laughs> and we should, we should say that Allison is a very devoted mother runner who lives in Utah. So you all are not... Um, in close proximity to each other now, but that's, that's fabulous. We are not, but she Mm -hmm. would always post about this yellow book 
and <laughs> run like a mother. And I was like, what in the world? And I wanted something that was freeing. I didn't want to sign up for an exercise class. I just wanted something that I could exercise and grab my shoes and go universally, <laughs> be away on vacation, just all of those things. But I also um, didn't really trust that I could be a runner because I was older. And even though I'd lost some weight, which by the way, found, but now I'm losing again, <laughs> thanks to Ellie. Um, I just wanted something that would help me mm-hmm. get healthy. So she posted that this another mother runner group was going to have, they wanted people to send in their profiles and they were going to pick a couple of people to train in January, um, in March. So this was in January of uh, 2012, uh, 2013. And I threw in my profile and I heard like, I don't know, I guess it was March that they said, oh, we have so many people. Let's just do a virtual training group. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what your memories are of that, Sarah, but for me, I just felt like I had to be there for these people because like I got picked to be in this virtual group and Uh it was uh before train like a mother club it was before any of that and so I started it was like a couch to 5k kind of a thing so Uh oh my gosh when I could run for 20 minutes and not stop it was a big victory yeah and um when I ran two miles I you know I felt like at the top of my game I was sharp Uh and (laughs) ready for that 5k so uh-huh. that's one of the reasons I turned to running is because it was also, it was something that I had a community and it was also chunked out for me. It, it was mm-hmm. easy to, it was easy to do. And that way, you know, I ran around my neighborhood, but uh-huh. also I had silence and I had quiet <laughs> and I could be calm and um, it was a stressful time. So I would just, you know, go out and say my prayers while I ran or, just be quiet. Cause I didn't even know listening to music was a thing at that point. I mean, I did <laughs> obviously, but it just, it didn't feel like I was really training for that 20 minute run. So uh-huh, uh-huh. listening to music would have distracted me at that point. Right. You had to keep your, your head down and your eye on the prize. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you did find it an effective way then to combat stress. I, yes, I did. And I think one of the things that is weird about me is I love the winter. So I'm sitting here looking at snow and that would really gross some people out, but I'm thrilled with it. So I started doing this and there was still snow on the ground and it was still cold. So I could kind of be in my own bundled self. I didn't have to worry about what I wore or what my neighbors saw. I could just, I know that sounds maybe different, but I could just kind of be in my own space. And um, that was extremely freeing to me. And then it was quiet. And I just would kind of, you know, I don't know even what the ratios were, but like I'd walk for a few minutes and then run for a few minutes. And it just gave me something else to think about that wasn't things like things that were going on kind of swirling around my husband's job and swirling Mm -hmm. with my mother-in-law. And um, Philip has always been a great kid. I just want to say that. Um, And he was, I think, in college at that point and getting ready to graduate. So not like his you know, not like I didn't think of him, but he was not my primary thing I was mm-hmm. thinking of when I was running. And sure. I just found like I could leave the house and nobody was following me. Nobody <laughs> was calling me. I, did, I didn't even think I brought a phone with me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess I have to say that I can totally relate to you saying about how, you know, you felt so bundled up and your neighbors couldn't see you there. And I, I think I just said this on a recent podcast that I there is something about running in the dark that I really like because people you know, as long as, you know, as long as you're well lit so that cars can see you and, and you don't get hit, you know, I, I like not having people see me when I do it. 
know, yeah, it's it's kind of fun. I mean, you're 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 definitely exposed to a world that most people don't get exposed to. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Well, so Donna, um, starting in your 50s, um, did you feel any kind of like a barrier to entry or did you get any pushback from friends or colleagues or anything like that? So a lot of people, yeah, I want to say yes. And then heck yeah, because, (laughs) because also like, I don't really look like your little runner. Like I am not, I'm, I'm short, but I'm not really petite. And even with some weight off of me, you know, I'm just, kind of it gathers in places and when you're 50 it gathers in different places than when you're 30 so <laughs> sure does you know yep. that the gang is all here here and here so <laughs> I, I just I, think, I just love um, you Donna I just love you I just have to interject that <laughs> I know <laughs> well thank you and it's mutual I would say though that um that the piece of it that a lot of people would say, oh, what are you training for? And so at that point, it was a 5K. So it was like a big deal to run a mile or two. But then as I I did um, that, and then my friend Victoria wanted to do a half marathon that next August, and that was kind of scary for me. But then when people find out that you're training for that, um, you know, that they're kind of like, wow, do you know how long that is? Yes, yes, I do. And now, you know, now I get the same reaction. People will be like, oh, what kind of race are you running? A 5K? No, it's a Uh half marathon. Well, do you know how long that is? Yes, I have done one. As a matter of fact. (laughs) And it's ugly and it's it's hard, but it's a good, it's a good hard. So I, I think, but mostly at that point, people felt like they were proud of me. My husband has always been awesome and very proud of me. Mm-hmm. And even though I know that sometimes running has taken away time, energy, money from, you know, kind of other things, he's never said anything. Also, he likes me sane. So, <laughs> you know, we've got that because he, he sees that value. Um, I think in the fam- my family, I'm not really pushback, but just people sometimes are surprised or they'll say, well, I could never do that. And I will say, yes, because if I'm doing it, you could. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, a good seg into my next question, which is, have you inspired any friends to start running? And, um, and also, you know, do, do you have any running partners where you, you know, have you gone about finding any um, as, as you've progressed along through the years with running? You know, I really, um, when I ran with Victoria, when we ran that first half, it was the Indianapolis women's half and it was 96 degrees and like 90% humidity. And I didn't know any better. I thought that's just the way a half marathon went. But um, she is about 15 or 20 years younger than me. And we just had, we just decided to like run for four minutes, walk for a minute. And so that really bonded us. And along the way, like we picked up other people who wanted to to go in rhythm with us. It was mostly women in the race. And so I met people through that and those were some of my first Facebook connections. So I was super thrilled when the Train Like a Mother piece came on because the truth is I really don't have a lot of running buddies. I mean, and most of the women I know who want to run are 20 years younger than me, Mm. also a lot faster than me. And I have done that on occasion. Um, I have two friends here who are both moms of little peanuts and we will run, you know, we'll run together. We'll run races together. And I say to them at the beginning, have a great race. I'll see you at the end. But we've run a couple of, you know, we've run a couple of times together, but I'm, I don't really have like my posse. I don't mm-hmm. have a group of people. And I often think of, um, 
I love Kristen Armstrong's reflections on her running group because women connect about their lives mm -hmm. and um, it's, it's more than just running. And I've often thought of kind of gathering women and saying, Hey, like, let's do 20 minutes out, 20 minutes back. And you run with whoever you run with, or you walk with whoever you walk with. Um, but uh, I don't really have that. You know, Sarah, your friend Phoebe lives close to me. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. I was she, thinking about Phoebe as you were talking about people close. who are fast. And uh -huh. Phoebe, so Phoebe is fast. Yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah. Phoebe and I are really good friends and we're really good running friends, but we're not like running together friends. Yeah, run, not running side by side. Yeah. 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 And um, my son and I ran a virtual 10K together. And again, I kind of said, bye, son, at the beginning. But my mm -hmm. sister stalked me in a car and um, <laughs> followed me through town, like waving protein bars at me and like cheering me on. <laughs> it was a 10K around the, the uh, town I grew up in in New Jersey. So it was nice. pretty funny. But I thought, you know, you guys could be out here. It's just, it's just not where they are. So. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Nice. All right. So, and uh, you've alluded to uh, working with Ellie to um, try to uh, get your, your uh, drop a couple LBs perhaps. Um, has running inspired you to make any other changes in your health habits? Well, I've learned like a lot of new words. I learned about. <laughs> and wait, I you've learned about, wait, what was the, wait, what were the first, what were the first words you said? You've learned about what? foam rolling. Okay. I, uh -huh. I had no idea what that was. Uh -huh. and I, um, but you know, I, I, my calf started bothering me getting ready for that first half. And I remember listening to Dimity on some recording from somewhere talking about sometimes good enough is just good enough while I was foam rolling for the first time. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, learning that. Um, yes. I think the other part is my nutrition in my first half was a banana some applesauce and six almonds for that. <laughs> so a lot of things have changed um, in terms of just taking care of myself, but it's my goal to be um, as, as much as I can be medication free. And then uh -huh. as I get older, I want to be independent. I don't want to have to use a walker and things like that. So uh -huh. um, yes, the, the stretching, the rolling, all of those things have been really good for me and just, um, kind of cleaning up my act a little bit uh -huh, uh -huh. in terms of, you know, the diet, but the diet goes back and forth. And um, what that time taught me is I didn't need to stress eat. Mm. I could pick up something else in my life. And my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's at that time and she didn't live with us. And she was always like really great. I mean, some people live through very, very hard situations with Alzheimer's but she was always very pretty happy after she mm. was paranoid. Um, but she was pretty happy and I got to be with her, but I also kind of got away from all of that too. So um, seeing, seeing that side of it, I thought this is going to keep me mentally sharp. I'm always going to try to learn something new about running. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's a great attitude. Awesome. Um, and what do you think about your legs? Um, you know, for, for, we always talk about, you know, some of us who have been running for so many years and just all these miles in our legs and, you know, they don't feel so fresh anymore. <laughs> um, do you, do you think that starting a little bit later on has maybe, you know, kept your, your legs, you know, a little more, um, you know, youth like for now, you know, at least. Well, yeah. So if you look at a piano and you look at the legs of a piano that goes straight down, those are mine. I don't have a lot of shape. <laughs> I have never had shape in my legs. Like I am my grandmother's legs. So 
they, you know, so I don't worry about the shape, but in terms of my knees and all that, I do, you know, I played some tennis when I was younger and we all sort of jogged to get in shape for something else when we were younger. But um, yeah, I do think my legs feel pretty good. And I had a heck of a time with um, a toe because I was um, trying to, one PT told me to activate my big toe and I was kind of pushing on it and mm. it ended up, um, I got a pretty good hammer toe. And mm. so Deb um, Toll is my awesome PT who, when I went to her and said, can I keep running? She was like, heck yeah, you can. Get on the <laughs> treadmill, let's look at your stride, let's look at that toe. So I think there are quirky things like that, that sometimes I wonder, am I hurting myself? Mm. But then I have champions who have said to me, like, no, go for it. Like, you are 50 something and you mm-hmm. want to move. You want to go do it. So yeah. I, I do think maybe my legs are a little fresher. I, I can push it sometimes. And I also am not fast. So I think I can run long because I'm not fast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I can run till, you know, I'm really old because I am right there with like the 60 and 70 year olds already. So <laughs> well, that, well, that leads, that leads right into where do you see your running going in the next decade? Wow. That's a good question. Hmm. Um, I like the idea of working on some speed, oh, but I also cool. like the idea of working on some balance. So hmm. I, sometimes you can get really into something and then you kind of fade away. And I've fought to keep this in my life through, you know, a move and appendicitis and removal of my appendix, Mm. you know, new jobs, stressful situations. And I even quit a job because I didn't have time to run. I mean, I didn't have time for other things either, but Uh um, my goals for the future are probably to continue to maintain the calm and the peace part of it and not ever let it get to me that I'm not faster or stronger or more fit and be okay when somebody says like, oh, you're a runner. Like I am okay with that because I am a runner. Um, so just kind of to be the best version of me. And I'd mm-hmm. like to get some of this weight off. And the problem with that is you really can't run super hard. Like mm-hmm. Ellie's thing is like, tone it down a little bit, you know, tone it down, mm-hmm. not so much more strength. So get stronger, get faster and maybe do some shorter races to help that um, smooth out over the next year or so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Good goals. Well, so we've asked everyone this question um, on the show so far about the decade um, in which they began running. So what advice would you offer up to women who are getting started in their 50s? So I would say um, one of the things is if you have people who say, oh, I can't believe you're doing that, say, I know, isn't it great? (laughs) <laughs> you know, have, have a positive answer because people will say, I can't believe you're doing it. And it will make you feel good um, if you don't second guess yourself. I'm, n- I'm not really a second guesser, um, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like your built-in midlife crisis. So if you feel like <laughs> you want to try something new, that's a, a great thing to try. Um, <laughs> no sports car run. You recommend running instead? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no young, no, no, no young, hot. Oh, dang. Oh, yes. Sport. Oh, yeah. Young, hot sports car. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Something else that's young and hot. That's totally fine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. I will not comment on that. But I do think that I feel like, like, I literally at one point felt like I'm going crazy. And I thought, if I don't run, I won't make it. Um, Just in terms of mental health. Um, Uh So it's kind of also 
sometimes your kids are going to college or out of college, you might have a little bit of money. It's a good time to start a new something. Like you have a little bit of, it doesn't take a lot of money to run. It really doesn't. You don't have to have every gadget and gizmo. Get yeah. a good bra, get good shoes, and then let the rest take care of itself. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you might have a little bit of money to do a race that's far away and you might go to the spa a little bit more in your 50s. So celebrate that instead of saying, oh, my nest is empty and I'm sad. Do something great like that. Yeah. And then like, you're never going to wake up on race day and say, oh gosh, I have my period. Like you're never going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to say this, but that's an awesome thing. And you will all have that feeling and not even worry about that. But so just celebrate those changes. Like don't Uh look at the lab. Don't look at the things that might take you off course. Um, being older and you know don't kill yourself just have fun with it I mean you know don't run and and injure yourself and push yourself to the nth degree like you are not going to probably win the first race you're in like you might win eventually but I will never and that's okay so just have some fun with it and just embrace it a lot of women are not doing that it's good to do something hard that not everybody can do yeah yeah well, it, it bears saying again, Donna, I just love you to pieces. So thank you yeah, so your much. Your attitude's for, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I yeah. love you guys too. And thank you for letting me do this. And I also want to just say like, I hope that there's people who are 60 who are here this and say, I want to start this because if I can do it, I mean it, you can do it. So. I know we were going to have Jan from the retreat on and then, and then um, someone brought up, they're like, there's already four of us on. That's going to get to be a really long show. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can have like grandmother runners hour or yeah. something like oh, that. Look at that you. Next time around. That's a great yeah. idea, Donna. It is. It is. Oh, well, boom. Boom. There's a January podcast right there. Thank you. I will call you when I need more ideas. <laughs> well, thanks for letting me be on. I love the podcast. And I just think that um, everybody who's running and listening to this is just spot on for being out there and getting it done. So yeah, you're awesome. Thanks awesome. for letting me be a part. Thanks, Donna. Right. Take care, bye. Donna. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Oh, love them all. I know. Seriously. All fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I could not take notes fast enough. Like I've like five pages of notes in my little notebook that I take my <laughs> podcast notes in. <laughs> so, um, well, let's hear what uh, folks in the Train Like a Mother Club are up to. Hey, hey, everybody. It's Dimity here with your Train Like a Mother Club corner. I am coming to you with a message that's kind of operator-ish. Um, it came from Motherwell that was posted on the Stride into the Holidays page by Judith. And now I'm telling you, And it originated with Shonda Rhimes. So I guess we're like four degrees of separation here from Shonda Rhimes, which, you know, isn't so bad. Anyway, here it it is, and it just kind of resonated with me today. I am not lucky. You know what I am? I am smart. I am talented. I take advantage of the opportunities that come my way, and I work really, really hard. Don't call me lucky. Call me a badass. Love that message. Uh, I remember once uh, talking to another writer, this was years and years ago, and my lucky was kind of my fallback explanation about why I had uh, a full plate of assignments. And I was like, I'm just lucky. I'm just lucky. You know, it's all good. I'm lucky. He goes, no, Dimity, you work hard. You're good at what you do. 
And, um, and that has stuck with me. And I am 100% certain that that is the case with you. You work hard and you're good at what you do. You are not lucky. You are a badass. That is the message from me, Shonda, Judith, and Motherwell. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. All right. And um, as all those people could attest, the, our running retreats are mighty awesome. And um, they were in Cape Cod. They got to put up with the nor'easter that happened that race day. <laughs> it's not going to happen in 2019. Therefore, sign up for the Cape Cod retreat. Um, that honestly, it, we were debating whether to go back in 2019 or 2020. I'm like, guys, there's no way a nor'easter would happen two years in a row. We got to go back in 2019. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we will be once again at the charming Shoreway Acres Inn in Falmouth, Massachusetts in just what a lovely, lovely town Falmouth is. The race is so welcoming. They gave us all purple bibs so that uh, bammers could spot each other on the out and back course. We are updating the programming. So I'm talking you and Justin into doing a really great panel discussion together. And I think Dim or someone else is going to lead the strength training session. So it's going to be great fun. And for all the details and to register, go to motherrunnerstore.com. And it's on all the uh, pages in there as well as the homepage. So again, motherrunnerstore.com to sign up for our Cape Cod 2019 retreat. Our yeah, I'm show... looking forward to going back to that one again. <laughs> good, 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 yeah. good. Yes, yes. Um, so our show today is produced uh, by Alex Ward of Sounds Like Pictures in Portland, Oregon. And whatever age you are, many happy miles. Happy miles.